Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we can keep God's law and observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 119, verse 34. In this episode, I want to give uh, what freedom in Christ means to my, view, to my listeners uh, because I recently preached on a Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning and Sunday night, but it was not recorded online. And so I wanted to make it available. It was a blessing to me to study this and to put it together. And so I want to share it with others. Fourth of July is the time of the year where in the United States, Americans celebrate our freedoms as citizens of this country. And the country celebrates independence in addition to freedom and liberty When a person becomes a Christian, they have freedoms and liberties and rights. But we do not become independent of God. We acknowledge our dependence upon God in becoming a Christian. But becoming a child of God and the freedoms that come with it mean that we are set free from the penalty of sin and we are given a new life with freedoms and liberties in Christ, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Many, many years ago, in the 1700s, when the United States was being formed, when it fought for its freedom, when it was liberated from Britain, it came with a new leadership, a new law, and a new allegiance. And when we are liberated from sin and becoming a child of God, we have a new leader. We have new laws and a new loyalty, a new allegiance. So being free in Christ means those things. And that's what I preached. And that's what I want to share with you in this episode of the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. I I just, I love the concepts of freedom in Christ. And this uh, sermon that I did, this podcast that I'm doing now will not exhaust that subject, but I'm going to cover those three things briefly. The idea that being in Christ, being free in Him, means that we have a new leader, a new law, with a new loyalty, a new allegiance. The first of these, the new leader. The new leader is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with each of these ideas about being free, with a new leader, a new law, and a new loyalty, there are three concepts that I want to tie in to each of these concepts. For example, new leader. I want us to think about the leader's price that he paid, the leader's plan, and then the leader's pattern for us to follow. The leader's price that he paid, Romans chapter 4. And incidentally, nearly all of the references will come from Romans chapter 4, 5, 6, and 8. There will be some references to Galatians in a moment, but Romans will be the main place from which I will take these ideas. Romans chapter 4, beginning with verse 23, in describing Abraham and the Christians at Rome, Paul wrote, Now it was not written for his sake alone, that is, for Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him, that is, righteousness, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up, our, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. I said, number one, that freedom in Christ means we have a new leader. Prior to becoming a Christian, me, myself, and I was the leader. You were your own leader, or we were following our leader, Satan, 
knowingly or unknowingly. But when we become a Christian, we have a new leader. And that new leader is Romans chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus our Lord. The word Lord means ruler or master. So Jesus becomes our leader, our ruler, our master. And consider what our leader paid in order to be the leader, in order to be who he was. The price that he paid, verses 23 to 25, Romans 4, 23 to 25. He was raised up from the dead and he was delivered up for or because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. The price that he paid was being delivered up on the cruel cross on Mount Calvary and all that that entailed all of his passion. First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 19. I'll reference these passages where Christians are charged to gird up the loins of their mind, to be sober, to rest their hope fully upon the grace that is brought that is to be brought to, to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How as obedient children, Christians are not to conform to the former lust, our former behaviors, before we had this new leader. Instead, we are to be holy because God is holy and God is our Father. And we are to know, verse 18, that we were not redeemed or purchased. Our new leader, the price that he paid, was not with corruptible things like money, silver, or gold. Instead, we were redeemed, we were purchased. The price that Jesus paid was the precious blood of Christ, his own blood, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The sinless lamb of God paid the price in his humiliation, in being betrayed and denied by being mocked, laughed at, spit upon, scourged, blindfolded, and then led up Mount Calvary to be nailed to a piece of wood, to put that wood upright in the ground. That's the price our leader paid. Now, there have been some great leaders over the course of human history, but there's been no greater leader than King Jesus and the price that he paid. There's not been a greater price paid by any leader in all the world than the price that King Jesus paid. I recall that when Jesus was on the cross, two thieves were crucified beside him. You remember, they both apparently, according to Matthew Mark, they both began to rail on him. But at some point, one of them, according to Luke's account, one of them realized and recognized who he was, where he was, and what he needed to do. He said, you know, we deserve what we're getting. He said that to his fellow thief. But this man, Jesus, he hadn't done anything wrong. He doesn't deserve to die. Pilate, a Gentile, examined Jesus closely and said, I don't, I don't find any fault in him. He hasn't done anything wrong. You see, the innocent Lamb of God, the great and, great and incredible leader, Jesus Christ, King Jesus, the price that he paid, to be the leader 
the captain of our souls. And incidentally, that was the title uh, of a sermon that I preached not too many weeks before this one about freedom in Christ and what it means. But Jesus as our captain, our fearless captain, he paid the price. So the leader's price. Number two, the leader's plan. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 6, God's plan was this. While we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a person, a righteous person, will one die. Yet perhaps for a good person, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So the leader's plan. The leader's plan coincided with exactly what the father had planned ahead of time. And that was that while the world was still in sin and without hope, God would send his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law. And to show the love of God so that we could be justified by his blood. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. That was the leader's plan. And we learned this plan through the word of God. I'm reading the word of God. And the word of God, Jesus said, is truth. John 17, 17. And... You know, here's the thing. The truth is what must be taught so that we can be set free from sin, so that we can have freedom in Christ. Perhaps one of the most well-known passages, but sometimes misused and even misunderstood. John chapter 8, verse 30, Jesus spoke these words. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Well, what was he speaking? That, that he would be lifted up and that people would know that he is the Son of God. And that he does nothing of himself, verse 28. But as his father taught him, so he spoke. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. While he was speaking these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, it's through the word of God, through the leader's words, that we can be set free from sin. So there is a price that our new leader paid. And that was everything. He gave everything in his passion, in his death on the cross. The leader's plan was that while we were still sinners, he would come and die. And that plan was revealed through his teaching of the truth and through the apostles' word as well. And in Romans, continuing with Romans chapter 6, the leader's plan, excuse me, the leader's pattern. Romans 6, verses 15 and following. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, but God be thanked that though you were, past tense, slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. The word uh, form can be translated pattern, pattern of doctrine, 
to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin in the past, you became slaves of righteousness. So here's the Lord's pattern. The leader's pattern is this, that a person who believes that Jesus is the Lord and confesses him as Lord, Romans 10.10, and turns and changes his heart about sin and about Christ in repentance, Acts 2.38, Acts 1730, 2 Peter 3, 9, etc., etc., repent, repent, repent. Then a person who's dead in sin is buried in Christ in baptism and raised to walk a new life. That is the pattern that they obeyed. That pattern of doctrine. Well, the message that they obeyed was the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. We know that was the fundamentals of the gospel according to Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. And he preached that message, and he wrote about that message to the Christians at Rome. The Christians at Rome had obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that pattern of teaching. And the way you obey the gospel in form and pattern of teaching is to die to sin and be buried in baptism, to rise to walk a new life. That's Romans 6, the same chapter, verses 3 and 4. The Christians were reminded, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into his death, into Christ Jesus, rather, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Here's the Lord's pattern. The Lord's pattern is to die to sin and repentance, to be buried in baptism into Christ, and to be raised from the waters of baptism to walk a new life as a forgiven person, a child of God, with a new leader. Because when you come up out of that water, when you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, you have then been set free from sin, and you become slaves of righteousness. That means... You have a new leader. You were slaves of sin, Romans 6, verse 20. But now, now you're slaves of God, verse 22. That means you have a new leader. That means that we look to Jesus regarding everything that we think, that we say, that we do. A military soldier arranges himself or herself under that of his or her leader. That means to be subordinate, not insubordinate, but subordinate, obedient to. And so this new leader paid the price. He worked God's plan, and he has a pattern. And if we've not obeyed that pattern, we're not in him. We have not contacted the saving merits of his death. If we've been taught that, you know, we can be saved any old way, by any doctrine, that kind of thing, well, we've missed it. Because that's not what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, and to obey it in form, Romans 6, verse 17 and 18, to obey it in form from the heart. So to be free in Christ means we have a new leader that paid a great price, that has a great plan, and that has a pattern for our life. And that is to live, after we've obeyed the gospel in form, we live by that pattern, by the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. 
But number two, I want us to consider that freedom in Christ means we have a new law. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Look with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Beginning with verse 1. There is, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the new law by which we live is called the law of life, the law of the Spirit of life. The law of the Spirit of life. Folks, that is the gospel. Because Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Well, that's, that's the law of the Spirit of life. Why is he not ashamed of the good news of Christ? It is the power of God to salvation. That means it's the law of life. It gives life. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the gospel, made Paul and the other Christians at Rome free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death goes back to the sin in the garden where God promised that the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Dying the death, thou shalt die. Romans, excuse me, Genesis 2.16. The law of sin and death reigned according to Romans chapter 5. It reigned, Romans chapter 5, verse 14 and following, until Christ came. And now we have the new law, the gospel, the law of life. Think about that. The law by which we live today is a law of life. And as the law of life, we're to walk according to the law of the spirit of life. Walking according to the Spirit, Romans 8, 1. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Some would say that's the Holy Spirit. Some would say that's our spirit as it's been changed by the gospel. Either way, the gospel's been given by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Either way, we have the Spirit's message in the written gospel. And we live by that law of life. And it produces in us the fruit of the Spirit when we submit to the gospel and live by it in faith. Galatians 5, to 24, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the fruit of the Spirit. And we're to get the fruit of the Spirit. We're to live by the fruit. We're to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And that comes by and through the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that gives us life from the death that the law of sin and death gives. Spiritual death, folks, and ultimately physical death even on earth for most, except for those who would be here when Jesus comes. The law of life is a way to describe the new law by which we live. When we're free in Christ, we have a new leader, and we have a new law, the law of life. Under that same heading of the new law, number two or letter B, whatever you want to call it, we have the law of the new law being described as the law of liberty. And this is the one time that I'll reference and go to two other places, the only time, incidentally, that I'll actually go to. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the Christians in Galatia were told to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free 
and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Paul's there. The Christians then, the Jews who had been liberated from the law of Moses, were to not go back and be entangled with the yoke of bondage. Now, we can't go back into the yoke of bondage of the Old Testament law because we've never been amenable to the Old Testament law as Gentiles living in the 21st century. But if we leave Christ and the liberty that's in it and we start binding things that God does not bind, if we start living by another message, by another gospel, even though there's not another, we will become entangled again in the yoke of bondage of sin, I do believe. Well, again... We need to know that being free in Christ means we have a new law, the law of life, and it is the law of liberty. The idea of liberty is to do or to admit things that have no relationship to salvation. You know, the gospel is a gospel of liberty. James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 21, this is the last place I'll go outside of Romans. James chapter 1, verses 21 to 25. Listen, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow, abundance, the word means, of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who stoops down and looks intently, that's the idea of the word looks, he who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty, what's that? The new law by which we live when we're free in Christ, the gospel. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Well, what is that law of liberty? What are we to continue in as Christians? The gospel. And if we're not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, we will be blessed in what we do, James wrote. I said that was the last time I'd be outside Romans. I was wrong. One more reference. Galatians chapter 5. I apologize. I did not intentionally lie. Back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. So we have the, the, the new law, which is a law of life, a law of liberty. And, and in illustrating that law of liberty, have you noticed how much shorter the, the New Testament is than the Old Testament? Have you noticed how overall so many... So many laws in the Old Testament and so few compared to the Old Testament. Have you noticed? That's because the gospel is a law of liberty. There's much liberty. That does not mean there are not rules. There are not uh, things that we must do or there are not guidelines or boundaries. That, it does not mean that. But it is a law of liberty, a law that liberates us from not only the penalty and guilt of sin, but also from being required to do things that are not tied to our salvation there are obviously things that we have to make good decisions in and we don't want to offend our brother and our sister in romans chapter 14 and first corinthians chapter 8 and all that but but we have liberty we live by the law of liberty and this new law is also called the law of love galatians 5 13 for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So we serve God by love, the law of love.
God's standard is love. And that's not some mere feeling. And that is not overlooking sin. And that is not walking in darkness. It's walking in the light and doing right. Love means going to the greatest extent, even to the point of suffering and making great sacrifice for the betterment of my own soul and the souls around me. Namely, to teach the gospel and to live by the gospel to its fullest extent. The new law. When we're free in Christ, we have a new law, and it gives us life and liberty, and it gives us the love that we need to navigate through this world full of hate and sin and error. Finally, freedom in Christ means new loyalty, a new allegiance. Back to Romans, and we'll stay there and finish there. Romans chapter 6, beginning with verses 1 through 3. Paul, after having written that sin was so terrible, yet yet where sin abounded, grace from God abounded much more. And so someone might say, can we continue in sin that grace may abound so that God may get more glory? And he says, no. Verse 1 and 2, certainly not. And then he asked this question, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So, just like we had the leader's pride, the new leader and his price, his plan and his pattern, the new law of life, the new law of liberty, the new law of love, now we have new loyalty because we have a new leader. We have a leader whose grace is so great. And so we're to be loyal to that new leader we have. Again, who is that leader? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 6 verse 3. We were baptized into Christ Jesus. He became our Lord, our Master. And Romans 10 teaches this concept that we must confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. That can be translated as Jesus is Lord. We're to confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's with the heart that we believe unto righteousness. It's with the mouth we confess and make unto salvation. If we do that, Paul wrote, we'll be saved. And so, here it is. Loyalty to the new leader. The leader in, into whom we were baptized. Think about it like this. We could finally be forgiven of our sins and our debts, our wrongdoings, all of our mistakes, and it included surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that included being baptized into His death to die to sin. And so, we need to be loyal to that most wonderful and greatest of all leaders. Wouldn't that give us more motivation, encouragement, to be loyal to Him above any one person on earth? Surely it would when we think about it that way. What He did for us, again, Romans 4, he, he, was, he was delivered up because of our offenses. When we keep that in mind, it gives us a new level of loyalty. Also, number two, it gives us the motivation to be loyal to the new life that we now have. Romans 6, 4 through 12. Romans 6, 4 through 12. 
Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We should do what? Walk. That's a lifestyle. That's a new life. And we're to walk in that new life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old person was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Again, we have a new level of loyalty and allegiance to the new leader and to the new life he's given us. And that means we don't live like we used to live, like the old person used to live. And sometimes we slip back into that old person. We're not to live that way. Knowing that our old person was crucified, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Romans 6 verse 7, for he who has died has been freed or cleared from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lived, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Now, 1 John 1, 5 through 9 teaches us that Christians do sin, but we do not live a life of a sinner. We are not sinners. We do not live a habitual life because if, uh, of sin, because if the seed, the Word of God, continues in us, we don't. We can't walk in sin because the Word of God is in us. If we're walking in sin and the Word of God is not in us, the seed is not in us as it should be. And so we're to have a new loyalty to this new leader and to this new life he has given us. And it requires us to not let sin reign in our mortal body. Help us, O oh God, that if we ever find ourselves being reigned by sin in our mortal bodies, that we should stop it, stop doing it, stop living a life of sin and quit presenting our members as instruments of unrighteousness, but instead to present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and our members as instruments of righteousness to God. Romans six thirteen, Loyal to the new life. And finally, loyal to the future life to come. From verse 13 all the way through 23, I'll hit some highlights. Verse 19, Paul wrote, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as, as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members. So now what? So now, so now that what? So now that you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, verse 16, now that you've become a Christian, now that you died to sin and repentance and were buried in Christ in baptism and rise and were raised from the waters of baptism to walk a new life, Romans 6, 4, now present your members as slaves for righteousness, for sanctification or holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. So we have a new loyalty to a new leader who's redeemed us and a new loyalty to the new life that we now have. We have a life where we live by the law of life and the law of liberty and the law of love. It's unlike any life you can have given by anyone or any other thing. 
We're to be loyal to this new life that we now have and loyal to the future life that's to come that the new life now concludes in or results in. Verse 23, Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to be loyal to the fact that our Lord's coming back for us and that we too, by His great grace, will receive the gift of God, eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here's how I concluded in my sermon a couple weeks, or this past Sunday, and this is how I'm going to conclude this podcast. This is not an exhaustive study of being free in Christ, but these are three fundamentals that we just can't miss. When we are free in Christ, when we become a child of God, and that culminates in being baptized in Jesus Christ, to be clothed with Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, we have a new leader, Jesus Christ. And we live by a new law, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that should give us a new loyalty, a new allegiance like we've never had before because of the great leader that we have and the great law that he has given us. Our Lord, our leader, has defeated our greatest enemy, death. And he has... He, he's put the handcuffs on Satan. Temptation is still real, and it can be strong, and sin can be even stronger when we allow Satan to have his way through temptation. But he's been bound. He's been limited. He can't do anything above our ability. And death, the sting of it, has been taken away. Our leader has given us a law that liberates and justifies. No doubt he himself and his sacrifice did that. But the law... The gospel continues to liberate us and justify. Remember, Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. And our leader was loyal to the Father. And and we're to be loyal to him. And it's to be a loyalty and an allegiance like no other, greater than anything we would give even to a spouse or to an employer a loyalty, and allegiance, Romans 6, 17, from the heart. Freedom in Christ means we have a new leader, a new law, and a new loyalty. We have a new leader, a new law, and a new loyalty. Freedom in Christ. There's nothing like it in the world. Perhaps that's one of the reasons the world doesn't understand. Because we have something that they can't comprehend apart and away and outside of Christ. This is not a standard sermon. This is a podcast. But if you were listening to this and you're not a child of God, you've not died to sin and repentance. You've not been buried with Christ in baptism to be raised to walk a new life. I'd be happy to assist you if I possibly can. If you're listening and you have questions, shoot me a message. You can find me on online. You can even find my teaching page, Aaron J. Dodson, Bible teacher or evangelist and Bible teacher. Shoot me a message on there and I'll be glad to have a Bible dialogue with you and do what I can to help you. Jesus loves you and I love you and he wants you to know what it means to be free in him. Take advantage of the freedom and the liberty and all the things that come with it that are available in God's dear son. 
Well, thanks for listening. If this blessed your life, won't you share it with others? Click the share button. Give me a rating on Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcast, wherever you find this, even Apple Podcasts. Give me a like, give me a rating, give me a share, and help get the word out there. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.